0: Isn't it weird that we're talking about this though? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, we need to ask someone to send you a feather mattress in the mail so you could cut it open. Welcome to God and the Paranormal, a podcast exploring the supernatural from a biblical worldview. I'm Suzanne, and I'm here today with John. Hey. And we are going to just talk about a potpourri of potentially paranormal things. So we're going to kind of go all around today and see where we land.
0: Yeah, we've collected a bunch of just miscellaneous weird stuff, and most of it probably won't qualify as paranormal or supernatural. Right. Some things are just weird. We'll just put it that way.
1: (laughs) This is the just weird episode. Yeah. (laughs) Where where do you want to get started?
0: Uh, I like the Death Crown. Okay. Someone brought me two of those once, and I'd never heard of them before. It supposedly is an Appalachian type of folklore, and I'm from South Arkansas, so... I don't know that much about it, but I do know people have uh, feather beds. You know, they have the mattress ticking around it and you stuff it full of goose feathers. Usually these things, it's a little spiral of feathers and you wouldn't think much about it, but it's, it's like you've taken a feather, a bunch of feathers and made kind of a galaxy out of it. So the tips of them all connect together. And the weird thing is you find it in the mattresses and feather pillows after people have died. Oh. They say what happens is when someone dies, you know, you don't want to use the same ticking for your pillows and mattress. I don't know exactly why. But anyway, you Mm -hmm. take the old cloth off and you reuse the feathers. So you go through them and I guess you wash them or something and stuff them in a new mattress or pillow. But when that happens, it's usually from someone who has died while they're laying on a mattress or a pillow and what they find are these little things called death crowns or also i've heard them called angel crowns or feather crowns or something like that what do you think how do those get there
1: well i guess my first question is does anyone open the mattress when people aren't dead because maybe there are still death crowns there
0: yeah and i think that's part of the problem because people usually don't do that unless somebody dies in it so i suppose you just keep a feather mattress until it's so old you throw it away or something but I would like to find one sometime and see see if it has those the question I guess is is there a natural means for feathers to kind of roll up like that into a spiral because I've seen my grandmother actually pluck geese that's what they get the feathers from, and you just pull them off and it's all just separate feathers so it's not like you have any that are stuck together
1: right okay So, um, what about and, maybe like, could there be an insect or something like that that could string the feathers together?
0: I've, I've thought about that. What if a little beetle got in? Oh, and the, the normal explanation or the, the, uh, the one that's the supernatural one is that when a spirit leaves a body, it kind of spirals out into a vortex. Oh, wow. And so that's what's making the little feather spirals. So yeah, what if a beetle or something got into a mattress full of feathers and just started relentlessly crawling, trying to get out and it's stuck in the middle of the feather. So it just keeps crawling, crawling, crawling around the same bunch and finally binds them together.
1: Yeah. But then you'd probably have like all of the feathers would be spiraled, right? Yeah. yeah, You would think so. so.
0: Or or do you think it's the motion of someone just on a bed because, you know, feathers have these kind of Velcro little things on them. And so what if the constant motion of maybe Someone wiggling on the bed or something just pushes them in the same direction. And they, isn't it weird that we're talking about this though? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, we need to ask someone to send you a feather mattress in the mail so you could cut it open.
0: So if anyone out there has a feather mattress that you want to cut open and show us some of these, feel free to do that.
1: This is just so wild because I've never even really heard of this. And it just shows how people are looking for the spiritual everywhere. Yeah. Even in the feathers in their mattress.
0: Yeah. And it's weird <laughs> that it's happened enough times that people have made legends out of it. So yeah. It's not like true. a one time occurrence. And I, really? I actually have seen these. A friend brought me two of them one time and it's just hard to explain.
1: How how <laughs> and, big are we talking? Like can you uh, put it in your hands? Is it size
0: of a golf ball? Yeah. Just a little oh,
1: okay. tiny okay. spiral of feathers. Well, I mean, I kind of hope my soul is a little bit bigger than a golf ball when it spirals <laughs> out. <laughs>
0: And I I would be on like a polyester mattress. So I don't know if it would do the same thing, but that's, that's just weird. I mean, it's not, it's, it's weird that you would have to talk about something like that. But well, and too, like
1: you said, that it's happened enough that there are legends with it. Um, And maybe that's part of the pursuit of science, right? Is that until you know what's going on, uh, you make up fun legends or weird legends.
0: I have to commend people for actually noticing something like that and say, right. Well, that's strange.
1: I definitely like the name Angel Crown better than Death Crown.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds better. <laughs> I guess death type themes kind of have their own mystique about it. Yes. It's something we fear, obviously, and or if, we may not fear it, but we, we just anticipate it with, I don't know, curiosity, if you're a Christian.
1: Yes. And it's a loaded uh, moment in our lives where everything stops and you think yeah. about meaning and you look for things that maybe yeah. you're not normally looking for.
0: Yeah. My grandfather, I've got some stories about them. My paternal grandfather, Leon McWilliams, he went to a sitting up with the dead thing. You know, that was a thing down south. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but
1: no, I'm like, not.
0: When someone died, you didn't. Didn't have mortuaries back then, and so if the funeral was the next day or two days later, you didn't want to leave the corpse sitting by itself somewhere. And I've heard people say it was because you know you didn't want an animal getting in and gnawing off their nose or something, Uh. or, or a pet cat getting in to bother it and desecrate the body. So they would literally have people sign up for sitting up with it at nighttime, and so you would sign up for like an hour or two, from two in the morning till four in the morning or something. Okay. And the body would never be by itself. So anyway, that was kind of a custom. And I've grown up with it. I've just heard of it all my life, sitting up with the dead. Anyway, <laughs> my grandfather, he was sitting up late one night and he said he was the only one there. And apparently the person had died in a contorted position. And so before they had mortuaries and embalming and stuff, they just kind of tied the body back straight so that it would fit in the coffin. Oh. And apparently a string broke <laughs> while he was sitting there. <laughs> And the body sits up in the coffin, and he says that was a memorable moment for him. (laughs) So, and he left; he didn't sit up any longer with it. Oh
1: wow! He didn't check to see if he was really alive and not. No, he
0: didn't. He didn't know till later when he talked to someone. They said, "No, it's just one of the strings broke that was holding him down." So,
1: (laughs) that's pretty terrifying.
0: But my maternal grandfather, John Wesley Daniel, (laughs) he remembers going to a funeral and. I'm not sure if he attended it. He said he did, but some people say it's a story of going around the community that he may have been there. But anyway, he went to a funeral for a middle aged woman and she sat up in the middle of the service and wanted a drink of water. <laughs> it was before embalming, obviously. So looking back <laughs> at it, apparently she was in a diabetic coma, probably what we would say today. Yeah. And they thought she was dead. So that's kind of scary. How many people have? You hear of being buried alive or something.
1: I mean, I, this is definitely the stuff of a lot of people's fears. Yeah. Um, but I think, I would hope that like today in our modernity, we really, really check to make sure the person's not alive. Yeah,
0: I've specified that in my will to please <laughs> verify that I'm actually dead. <laughs> this lady actually had several more children after this, though. So oh, she, wow. she recovered. And imagine you're surprised waking up and you're in a coffin and you raise up and church full of people looking at you and you say, could I have a glass of water, please?
1: (laughs) It's wild.
0: Yeah. One more weird story. And again, this this sounds like I'm making it up, but I don't know what happened in my childhood or in my town, but uh, it's the town of Prescott, Arkansas, down in South Arkansas. Okay. So I don't know how exactly the legend started. I know I've seen this, so I know it's true. But according to history, there was a... We called them hobos back then, so I guess oh. they would be called homeless people. But Mike, we don't know what his last name was. They just called him Old Mike. He rode the trains or the boxcars from town to town, and he sold pencils. Okay. So apparently this was turn of the century, like 1910 or something. And he would sit in the city park with pencils, and people would that, – that's how he supported himself. So anyway, that's about all they know about him. And he would show up periodically, but – According to history, one day they found him dead in the park. And so the mortuary took him in, embalmed him, and couldn't find a family to claim him. And so they wanted their money for embalming. And so they kept looking and kept looking. And after several years, they still hadn't found anyone. Oh, wow. So (laughs) this mortuary, which I won't name it, it's it's still there in town, but (laughs) mortuary back then decided to use, uh, I guess they used him as kind of a model of how good they can do embalming. Oh, wow! for a a few years there in my young childhood, you could go to the mortuary in town and he would be in the front window just displayed in a coffin. So people could say, wow, you really do a good job at embalming there.
1: Wow, that's crazy.
0: (laughs) And after a few years, I guess they got complaints and they put him back in a closet. But we could (laughs) we would walk by my friends and I and the morticians would put quarters in his pocket. So I guess it was just to see if kids would come in and get quarters. But uh, that's how I got my lunch money sometimes
1: <laughs> from a dead man
0: <laughs> but from his pocket. And I, I think it was from the mort- morticians. It wasn't actually him anyway. I... Um, they, they actually <laughs> mentioned him on the Johnny Carson show
1: oh, okay. at, back
0: in the day. And after that, he got so much publicity that I think the state government said, yeah, you got to bury this guy. So he actually has a, a memorial there in Deanne Cemetery. So if you want to see him, uh, just look in the middle of the cemetery and you'll see a, a gravestone that just says Mike on it. Wow. So the what story of my story. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. Good reason to make sure people know who you are. Yeah, Perhaps it is. It be <laughs> on you.
0: Yeah, at least yeah. have some family members around.
1: So a lot of, you got a lot of stories about death here. Do we have any other kind of interesting um, paranormal-ish stories you want to talk about?
0: There was a an elderly lady in the community that told the story that when I looked it up, I found this online and it looked like the same story that I see online. So I don't know if this is a common occurrence or something that that just kind of got passed around as a meme. But ball lightning. What do you call that? Yeah, What's ball, that? ball lightning. People see during lightning storms. A lot of times people see just a, a glowing orb of electricity wow. that, that comes with a lightning. And it's been reported, uh, Wikipedia, which is the, I guess, the paramount source of information anybody <laughs> could go to. But, I mean, it says 10,000 different official reports of ball wow. lightning. And this elderly lady in my community said that it came down the chimney and rolled across the floor and hit the opposite wall and exploded.
1: Whoa. Uh, they were
0: just sitting there one night. And I found several other cases where it, apparently they allege that it came down the chimney. So weird is stuff.
1: That, is that similar to like the will-o'-wisps and the spook lights and stuff? Or is that more just in an electrical lightning storm?
0: They say these are during storms, but it, it does seem the same thing. You know, you just got a glowing orb or something that does weird stuff. So ball lightning, it seems like there must be something scientific about it because it does occur during lightning and several pilots have reported it. Wow. So. But they can't—they can't replicate it in a lab. Nobody—nobody nobody knows for sure exactly what would cause electricity to be in a, a glowing mass or something. Or, if, or even if it is electricity, maybe it's—they suggest it's plasma or all kinds of stuff. But nothing—plasma. Nothing really to confirm about it.
1: Do people get hurt when it comes down their chimneys?
0: Yeah, the first one was—where uh, was that? Yeah, Dartmoor, England. There's a report, 1638. Oh, that's were,
1: early. Yeah, there okay. were three
0: three hundred people in a church and a very bad thunderstorm was going over. And they say an eight foot ball of fire just eight? burst through a window. What? Yeah. And it bounced around in the room and it actually killed four people and dozens of others were injured, apparently. Oh, and they said it stunk really bad like sulfur. Oh. So that's that's not really lightning if you get a sulfurish smell from it. So and,
1: what do you think? Well supernatural I mean, this- or well, this is kind of maybe dumb because I'm not a scientist, but is there any way that, that could be like a meteorite or a meteor? like?
0: Yeah, it wouldn't bounce around, though. And it, okay. it, that would be, a. I mean, an eight foot meteor would mess up big time the whole town.
1: Oh, OK. With impact. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I mean, so so just the seen... fact that you've
0: got a ball of fire that's wow you know, just bounces around. That's weird.
1: Yeah. Wow. I'm going to have to go and uh, look up that story from <laughs> Dartmoor, England. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, some recent ones, and I'm just going by Wikipedia here, so we call it peer-reviewed because people look at it, I
1: guess.
0: (laughs) But it says, here's some recent ones. Oh, the most recent one, June 24th, last year, 2022, massive thunderstorm, and a retired lady in Libanburg, Lower Austria, saw a blinding cloud-to-ground lightning strike, and then within one minute spotted a yellowish burning object with licking flames. Whoa. Just floating around, floating. and that was reported. The European Severe Storms Laboratory actually recorded this and verified it. So they don't know what it was. Oh, wow. 2014 Logan Air Flight sixty seven eighty in Scotland had one inside the plane during a thunderstorm.
1: Inside a plane?
0: Yeah. So a ball of light bouncing around in the cabin of the plane.
1: Wow. Do you is this something that you think you would want to experience or see? <laughs>
0: Well, people apparently have died from it, so (laughs) I wouldn't want to touch one. It would be neat to see one, I guess, floating around.
1: I feel like this just kind of breaks the rules of what we normally know for like lightning and fire and balls to be combined.
0: And it's kind of on that borderline. We talked about whether things are just unexplainable with normal science or if they're really paranormal. So a lot of this does sound like it's something that's physical and I don't know, the sulfurous stench of it kind of makes it sound paranormal.
1: Right, that goes with our, uh, our ghosts, right, and our Bigfoot, that there's like a sulfur stench, right?
0: And that's unusual too, isn't it? That A lot of people report sulfurous brimstone smells with ghosts and with ufos and with bigfoot
1: that's weird so is
0: there a commonality there that makes people think that there's some smell there's actually a medical condition associated with that that when people get stressed or something they smell things that aren't really there it's a type of olfactory hallucination they call it
1: wow
0: i don't think i've ever experienced that though
1: no an olfactory hallucination wow (laughs) I've had auditory hallucinations before when I get really, really tired. I know it's time for a nap, but I've never had um, an olfactory hallucination.
0: You hear voices talking to you?
1: No, (laughs) this sounds weird. The first time I ever had an auditory hallucination, I was staying um, somewhere else with like extended family. And we were in a house where the people traveled a lot and they had all of these... Um, pagan idols as decoration throughout all the rooms. Hmm. And so I was just falling asleep with my baby and I heard my name called and it was my husband's voice. And I heard him call me, I think three times. And I got up. I mean, it sounded exactly like he was in the hallway. I got up and I ran out and no one had called my name. Wow. And so that was really unnerving for me, especially since it was my first time and the environment that we were in. So
0: why, why do they have pagan idols?
1: They don't. So this group of people kind of don't see uh, the w- spiritual weight in that. I think they saw it more as art or trinkets, or they kind of have a um trivialized view of hmm. pagan idolatry. Like it, I, I don't know how really but that it kind is. of goes
0: back to our last episode about the territorial. Spirits.
1: Well, so I don't know, but it was really unnerving, and my husband decided that we would never go back to that place, and we never have. Um, and we both felt like it was spiritual, but then when I started to have them more often under the same conditions of like no sleep, um, right when I'm falling asleep, I started to think, well, maybe that wasn't a spiritual encounter. But um, nevertheless, we have not returned to that place.
0: And so, so do you think it was more on the side of psychological or demonic or
1: my original I, in a, the original, I thought it was demonic. Like I thought, but then when I started to have other auditory hallucinations of, I, I mentioned, or I will mention where my kids were screaming, um, then yeah. I, I. But then again, it was completely different, but the voice wasn't sinister. It was my husband's voice that I heard. I mean, huh. but, it, but he wasn't saying anything. So I kind of felt like it was maybe a mental game, but I don't know.
0: Yeah. The human brain's complicated.
1: Yeah. And I think that this is like a good thing, like to, you know, we're supposed to test the spirits. We're supposed to kind of critically think through things Yeah, definitely. Um, and not live in fear. But also approach things in a holistic view.
0: Yeah, well put. Have mm-hmm. you ever had sleep paralysis?
1: Tell me about sleep paralysis.
0: I hear about it a lot. I think I had it once, but it's when people, a lot of people who say that they've been abducted, say that they they're sort of awake but their body can't move, and they tie it in with some kind of alien vision. And some people see it with ghost visions. I think that may be something natural too, because you're. You know, you've probably woken up and it seems like your brain wakes up before your body and you can't. Yes, move yes. Fingers and stuff.
1: Yeah. But I, I wouldn't say that I've like had fear associated with it. Just more yeah. like, oh, oh, come on, wake up. Right.
0: Yeah. It's frustrating for sure. Yeah. But I think that may be what people are experiencing. So I don't know.
1: Hmm.
0: But it does show up a lot on the podcast and paranormal. People talk about having some kind of weird paralysis. And then during that time, they usually see something paranormal so maybe it's kind of halfway between sleep and wake and
1: yeah in that weird zone okay so but i want to circle back to the will-o'-wisps and the yeah. spook lights because i really really am fascinated by this stuff um do you want to tell us a little bit about what they are and what you think they are
0: yeah will o the wisps we call them jack-o'-lanterns uh, okay it's kind of the colloquial word for it but it's tied back to just that glowing orb of light and there's so many variations on this story. You know, some people see little tiny orbs that bounce back and forth real quickly. Some people see just one glowing mass of flame or something that just sits there. So I mean, it's such a big subject. We probably should do a whole episode, episode sometime. Yeah. But they're reportedly some people think they're ghosts. Some people think they're UFOs. Uh, and they've yeah, been there's... around forever. I mean, it's, yeah. it's mostly Scottish and Irish lore, but
1: like in uh, the box. almost
0: every country has a name for it uh will yeah. the Wiz, spook lights fairy fire jack-o'-lanterns and one more grandfather story the grandfather that was at the uh, funeral where the lady okay. woke up said that when he was a teenager and uh he was walking back from church late at night and you know it was obviously dark and and he didn't carry a lantern with him but some people did so on a gravel road late at night walking back from church, probably several miles. He said he looked up ahead and he saw a glowing lantern from someone up ahead. Wow. And he didn't think much about it because, you know, you would meet people on the road. And back in the day, it was, I guess, safer to walk at in nighttime. But as the fire got closer to him, he said, when it got there, it was just a glowing mass about the size of a pumpkin that was wow. just sitting there on the road. And he didn't stay around. He said he took off and kept going very quickly after that. But he he just called it a jack-o'-lantern, and that was, that was the way they talked about it back then. So it was something that, it wasn't terribly common, but it was things that I've heard other people in my hometown talk about. My mom, the daughter of John Wesley, also had sort of a will-of-the-wisp experience. Wow. Uh, he had taken his family fishing one night uh, at the river, and apparently she saw two, what she described as eyes, and that's what it looked like were eyes on the water. And so, you know, you're thinking, well, Ooh. that's just reflections or eye shine from something from the lanterns or whatever. But she said they eventually started floating down the river and they rose up above the water and that they were bigger than an eye would be. Wow. And so these two, I suppose they were kind of fastened together. So that's what gave the impression they were eyes, but two small orbs just floating up in the sky and over the river. Very strange.
1: Do you know, was that in Arkansas too? Do you know? Yeah,
0: it? definitely not swamp gas. <laughs>
1: um these so what do you think? I, I think are so unnerving because they're unexpected and we don't have an explanation, you know, and I guess that's, again, the stuff of legends. Um, I I just find them fascinating. They're usually, from what I've read about Will-O-Wisps and et cetera, is that they always kind of have like a ghost story or a witch story associated with them. Yeah. Um, But when I really started researching them, like almost every state has an area that has these.
0: Yeah, that's strange.
1: And it's like they happen enough in one area to be kind of cataloged. And so for it's obviously like some phenomena that we don't understand or some kind of creature or something if it's happening in general locations.
0: Yeah. And like everything else, some of them are probably hoaxes and just misidentifications. But there are enough of them that people report that, what do you say about just a glowing mass covering around in a forest? Sometimes they move around, and sometimes yeah. they move quickly and just kind of bounce around.
1: Yeah. So, well, and, it, and there definitely is a lot of paranormal association with it, too. So we might have more than one kind of thing happening.
0: Like yeah, some people yeah. say
1: they see these before they see Bigfoot or before they see a UFO. And yeah.
0: So there um, could be a supernatural. I mean, you hate to always go back to demons, but could a demon materialize a glowing orb? Yeah, I would imagine. So, yeah. you know, at least that's open as a possibility. Sometimes, I think. What's yeah. this? There's a Latin word that they call it here, ignis fatuous. Can you say that in Latin? Is that right? You
1: said it great. Yeah, that sounds great.
0: And it mean, means fool's fire. That's another yeah. word. Fatuous.
1: for Fatuous. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's tied to swamp gas. Mm. So that's that was what that was what people just kind of defaulted to when they talk about jack-o'-lanterns, swamp gas. And they're usually what
1: what is swamp gas?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It does exist. OK, I've actually (laughs) experimented with this just to see if I could collect it. So you you weigh it out in some murky water that has a lot of dead matter in it. And and basically, it's just methane gas with uh, probably a little phosphine and some other ignitable volatile gases that are in it but yeah when you step on a on the leaves you see the bubbles come up and i made a a little collector funnel my son and i and we went out and collected some and we set it on fire and it actually is methane
1: well so so what color did it glow when you set it on fire
0: uh, kind of that bluish at the bottom just like a gas fire with a little bit of yellow and with it but you know that brings up the idea because everybody says that's what causes these ufos and everything else but when we did it We tried all kinds of different ways to make a glowing ball. And you basically just get this big poof and it all burns up at once.
1: Real fast. Yeah. Yeah. And they're different colors. Like I've heard everything from red to green to blue to white to yellow. Um, And so, yeah. And.
0: Swamp gas is just a good cover story, and and that goes back to uh, J. Allen Hynek because that was the one, that was the thing that actually turned him away from the uh, standard Project Blue Book. In case you don't remember, he was the Project Blue Book leader for UFOs. Yeah, he was exploring the Hillsdale incident, I think, from nineteen sixty six, and they had some kind of glowing orb like this. And so, apparently, according to his story, the Air Force wanted him to say that this was swamp gas. And Mm -hmm. so he did. And the people there just really became unnerved about that and said, there's no way this was swamp gas. And so that was the point, the turning point in his career when he said, you know, this is ridiculous. I'm trying to explain to people things that I know it's not. So, yeah, that turned him into sort of a, a more of a true believer in something paranormal or weird going on. Yeah, because well, He said, he said swamp gas couldn't do that. And I agree. Swamp gas, we couldn't make it do anything except just burn quickly.
1: And some of these places do not have swamps where you, yeah, you have lot- to have a swamp
0: before this can happen.
1: I mean, there are places like in Louisiana where these lights are showing up and, and that's swampy. And then like, you know, the boggish type stuff in Scotland. And, but I mean, there are so many States that don't have swamps that have yeah. these type lights and i don't know if the marfa lights are in the same category as this but i've actually gone to see the marfa lights and
0: i've heard people say that that was swamp gas and yeah there's no swamp anywhere around that no it's a
1: dry desert (laughs) there's actually a big plaque when you go to see the marfa lights like overlooking this field it's kind of fun everybody's on lawn chairs gazing at the stars kind of feel like we should do that more often anyway Mm -hmm. but um there was a big plaque about how it was swamp gas and i just was like what is swamp gas (laughs)
0: That's just a nice, neat little package to put it in to kind of shut people up, I think.
1: Yeah. Why Why do we need to shut people up for Supernatural or just things we don't understand?
0: That's, that's very common, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah but the Marvel lights were really fun. I actually kind of was up late at night watching one of those History Channel shows about monsters. And they were talking about this light maybe pterodactyl type monster off the coast of Papua New Guinea. And I was like, these things are real, what? Or maybe they're not real. But I just had no idea that there were even mysteries left in the world at this point. And so I started like kind of diving into the internet yeah. and I found the Marfa lights were near us. And I was like, well, let's go like, see if we can see something, you know, have a, fun. That,
0: yeah, that's similar to the garden lights that we talked about. That was close to my hometown. And it's Is the same thing. Yeah. it's just. Road? Yeah, on a railroad, and they see a glowing orb that floats over the tracks. The The legend was that it was one of the rail, railroad foremen who got killed by an angry worker, and that's his lantern still floating on the tracks. But, right. but, yeah, people see that very often.
1: And there's even one near where we are now in Joplin, the Joplin Spoogeye. Yeah, guy. the Joplin they Lines. Had, they had, like, a roadside shack museum for a while because um, it was so common, I guess. Yeah.
0: yeah, maybe we'll figure it out. I don't know though. That would take away some of the mystery, wouldn't it? If we well,
1: finally figured it fun. out. Yeah, I mean, not that I think there should be still some mystery and wonder in the world, but also, you know, we don't want to dabble across supernatural lines too much. Yeah,
0: and a biblical worldview would say that a creative God would create mysteries.
1: So after I researched about the Papua New Guinea uh, lights and then I decided that there must be lights here and I found the Marfa lights, I decided that anytime we would move anywhere, we would go look for the lights. And for me, it was more, I thought it was some kind of creature that glows at night and maybe catches bugs that way in my very unscientific mind. And so I had no problem going out looking for the lights And one of the lights that we've been to is in Dover, Arkansas, and it comes out and it's just kind of like a red light that blinks a little bit in this valley. And it has this like beautiful overlook. It was like a perfect place to see the sunset. So kind of a really great excuse to go outside. There's no like roadside markings, but there was a gathering of people there to see it. So it's well enough known. Um, and I'm not really sure even how I found out about it, but anyway. Is that so Eastern think, Arkansas? Um, It's about two hours from where we are. So I want to say like. Mid- North central. Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, mountainous region.
1: Right. And we found, yes, it's like it's, there's a lot of mountains and there there's like a river at the bottom. So we actually swam in the river and like jumped off rocks. And then we went up and saw the sunset. And at first it was really tricky because there are all these people on four wheelers just going all over the mountain. Um, And so you see these lights and you're thinking, is that it? Is that it? But those were all four wheelers. And then at the very, very like bottom uh, kind of where everything funneled to in the view there, this red light turned on and and we could faintly see it. And it was really fun except for then someone came up and was like calling out for the ghost to show himself (laughs) the red, the ghost of the Dover light and he's here. And, and then he ran off and (laughs) like left. And I was kind of like, well, I don't know if I want to (laughs) go. hunting for these lights now people are calling out for (laughs) yeah uh, ghosts too so
0: but it's um, a red light you said
1: yeah it's red it just kind of was like kind of like a faint uh because we were far away but like it it kind of just like shined on and then shined off and then shined on and then it was like right when the sun set so um and it was so far away i couldn't see if it was an orb or um what or how big it was but it had to be pretty big because it was so far away
0: yeah Um, a lot of people say that people are faking these things for publicity but you know no one has ever come forward really or proven that to be true so it it seems like if that were the case that it's hard to keep a secret so yeah it doesn't seem like people could do that for as long as it's been happening to these places
1: and they happen like worldwide and it's also where we were in Dover. It was so remote. Like, why would someone even decide to do yeah. that there? And and it wasn't like there was any places, the touristy places that were getting attention from it or anything, um, yeah. except for this one guy who was like, you know, giving us all a good story with his hollering out for the coast to come. That kind <laughs> of reframed s- it for me, though, a little bit.
0: You sent an article last week about glowing owls.
1: Yes. So when I'd never,
0: I I'd never heard of that before.
1: Yes. So when I originally was going down this spook light, glowing light thing, I I read a little bit about min min owls in Australia, and there's a lot of kind of tribal lore and documentation about these type of barn owls that will glow, and they think they glow to get the insects, um, and then they kind of turn off. Wow um that's my understanding and so there's enough of it again like all these folklore but there's enough uh commentary and local people who have seen it that it's kind of a thing now but i don't think it's been like scientifically proved
0: you know the flatwood monster back in the mid 1900s that was part of project blue book too but supposedly a, a flying saucer came down and this creature got out that had big eyes and um, it, it was really strange looking. So you need to Google that and look sometime. But uh, <laughs> J. Allen Hynek eventually said the, the official report was that it was an owl sitting on a dead tree trunk. Wow. And that's what people actually saw. So owls come up pretty often in folklore and all kinds of strange well, things. They're
1: pretty creepy looking. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Especially those big eyes and, mm-hmm. and the face. Yeah. And, and they're out at night. You know so yeah.
0: and there are mushrooms and uh fungi that can uh give off light phosphorescent i've seen yeah. some of those in the forest too it's very dim though so i, I couldn't see attributing that to will o the wisp or anything and, and they don't move around so one
1: of the men men owl kind of arguments i was reading was that they like had hung out in a phosphorus tree and had it on them and were glowing as they But I, again, I think that could happen, but it's not going to be happening every time.
0: Yeah. There's still mystery in it.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. So with this whole journey to see the spook lights thing, I looked up, like I said, everywhere that would have them in the places that we were visiting. And some of them were too far away. Like there's that one near you, Gordon, the Gordon light. Is that right? Gordon. Gordon, Yeah. Gordon light. Um, And so kind of just like, I had this formula where we would go at the very end of summer when it's the hottest, like August, and we would go right before the sun sets because I thought it was an animal. So if it's an animal, it's going to come out to eat, right? It's going to be hungry. And I had good luck with that formula because we saw the Dover light and we saw the Joplin light that way. And the Joplin one just kind of looked like this little white ball bouncing up and down almost like if someone was swinging their flashlight um, just kind of up and down and up and down
0: over Um, a wooded area or
1: like, yeah. So we were on the street and there was like a little bit of a meadow, like small meadow and then a wooded area. And it was right on the edge of the woods. Now I do know people who have gone to see that spook light and have had like the ball come through their car and actually one of my friends was really concerned that we were going to see that because he had such a spiritual view of it whereas I had like an animal view of it so I wasn't afraid but again after seeing the Dover lights I've kind of reframed how and when I'm going to go see these lights
0: what, what size is it
1: Um, so we were in the car I don't know it looked maybe it was kind of far I would say maybe like... even it was a long time ago, too. Maybe like a, a little less than a foot, maybe. I mean, it, it was just kind of like a blurry light just fluttering around. Kind of like an oversized lightning bug. That's what we saw. Huh. It, it was too far to see if it was translucent or not. Like, it, it wasn't like... Um, it was just a light. You know what I mean? It wasn't like oh, that's clear, or, oh, that's an animal, or...
0: Was it fast-moving?
1: No, very slow, just hopping around, um, fluttering around. In fact, my husband and I were just kind of staring out there, enjoying the moon, and we're like, wait, is that it? it? Is that the little spook light? That little fluttering white thing? Well, we can't identify that as anything else. That must be it. Huh. Cool. Okay, and then we left. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but I think the spiritual view really does come into effect here and also like what we've talked about, like what you're opening yourself up to. And since I mean, who knows? But since I wasn't seeing it as a spiritual thing, it wasn't terrifying, it wasn't weird, it was just something cool to see at night.
0: Yeah. So it could be paranormal.
1: Yes, I think so. And I think some people are having paranormal experiences with these lights, Um, like the guy who called on the ghost at Dover or like, like my friend who didn't want me to go see it. He's not a Christian, but he's like really into spiritual things. And he was worried about what I was getting into. And I was kind of like, well, I'm not worried. Yeah. <laughs> um
0: but. And for for any first-time listeners out there, we, we differentiate between paranormal and supernatural. Uh, supernatural, uh, we kind of define as things that are caused by a supernatural being, such as God, angels, demons. And paranormal could be caused by something supernatural, but it also leaves open the door that it could be just an undiscovered physical force or something that we just don't know about yet.
1: But for the sake of adventure and wanting to see the wonder in the world, the spook lights really hit that for me. But like I said, I don't know yet. We haven't gone back since the guy hollered at the ghost to come out. <laughs> I kind of feel like it would be fun to go as a family, kind of like you're going to sh- to see shooting stars, but not with all the people around you who believe in things huh. that are different than what I believe. Yes. Yeah. is there anything else that you wanted to talk about maybe like i don't know zombies are really popular right now
0: (laughs) what do you think about zombies
1: i well when covid happened i kind of my husband looked at me and said it's happening the zombie apocalypse is happening (laughs) and i i don't i mean thankfully well it was terrible but um i don't know what i think about zombies i think they're scary
0: yeah it's an old voodoo santa ria thing isn't it yes yeah so back in the day people thought that dead bodies could walk around. I have problems with the shows that show just like a a skull and a spine crawling around. (laughs) I don't think you'd have enough brain power or energy biologically to do something like that. Yeah. But it does make good video games because you can (laughs) kill things without really killing anything that's alive.
1: I don't like the Haitian folklore with the idea of someone kind of controlling someone else's body and that They're like kind of an undead, like um, not that they're not really dead. They're more possessed, I guess. That's kind of what I've been exposed to. I mean, that to me feels very. uh, And all
0: of that basically came from kind of a pagan folklore that was combined with Christianity. So they've got a lot of Christian symbolism in it, but it's still the old paganism mixed in with it, with the veil being thin in places.
1: What kind of Christian symbolism? What like,
0: what do you mean Uh, by that? A lot of it's based on like medieval church type stuff. So they still have crucifixes and talking in Latin, Latin chants to get rid of stuff.
1: I I kind of joke that like Latin is like, it's so weird because you like, there's like scholars who study Latin. And then there, then it's like used in all the horror movies. You know, it's like, there's gotta be like a middle in between accessible Latin here.
0: The language of the paranormal. Yeah, or something. Apparently ghosts can speak Latin. Speak
1: Latin. Well, that's a shame because a lot of people don't understand it. All right. So we've been talking about these weird things in the sky, like the fireballs and the will-o-wisps. What about when things fall from the sky that we don't understand?
0: That's weird, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Like, I remember hearing about um, a bunch of meat. Or sometimes metal (laughs) objects. (laughs) Almost anything
0: anything you can think of has fallen out of the sky at some point. Really? Yeah, and I'm not sure if paranormal fits some of this. A lot of people try to make it some kind of supernatural. But yeah, I'd mowed my yard one time. This was this is my only paranormal story about falling things. (laughs) But I'd finished mowing the yard and I sat down on my lawnmower just to get a breath, and this toad plops down on the ground right beside me <laughs> clear blue sky I didn't see anything above no airplanes I didn't see any birds but that's that's my thought that surely a bird must have dropped a toad because I mean it's splattered right there in front of me oh
1: no oh that's so, and that was, that was okay. kind of
0: surreal and I can see how some people would be upset if uh one place they had fish raining down uh, and oh. when the game warden looked at it he said it was all local fish where is said, Oh, 1947 Marksville, Louisiana. Wow. It says it rained for several minutes from a fair, a previously fair day. So a cloud came over, rained out. There had been a tornado the day before it.
1: Okay. okay. So, and they
0: collected fish samples. They still have samples of those fish there wow. that you can look at, but anyway, he estimated that it was one fish per square yard. So that's a, that's a wow. lot of fish
1: yeah so what do you think about that well i mean i could see it's just bizarre because you're not expecting that and so i could see why some people go super paranormal with this especially since you've noted that sometimes like blood has come out of the sky or cooked bats um kind of more like things that kind of shock us but then you have things like frozen iguanas and (laughs) uh food and golf balls um I don't know. The tornado thing is interesting. What do, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I think tornadoes and water spouts probably are the the big culprit here because it's usually, uh, I mean, a high proportion of these are water animals. And so you have a water spout, let's say, that goes over a lake and tornadoes are pretty powerful. So they'll suck suck a lot of water up and obviously it goes way up into the almost almost to the stratosphere. So, I, I could probably see that, that, you know, you during hailstorms, a hailstone can stay lifted up in the air for several okay. hours, probably. So, maybe the, say, maybe the fish could just float around up there in the stratosphere and rain down somewhere else.
1: You think that the, that there's like enough material in the clouds to hold up these larger objects?
0: There's a lot of wind currents. And that's how okay. you can get hailstones. So, I suppose the same thing that would keep a large hailstone up could keep a, a fish up in the air. We had a tornado once uh, that was within a mile of our house in Oklahoma, and we had a mattress in the backyard the next day.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, okay. So what about, though, like that incident where all of this raw meat fell?
0: That (laughs) That was weird. They looked at it, and it, it turned out when they analyzed it, it was mostly lung and muscle tissue. That but was, in it, was Kentucky. I mean, it was like like tons of it. So how do you explain just yeah. pieces of raw meat falling?
1: Did you say someone tasted one in your book?
0: <laughs> yeah, they tasted it and said it tasted a lot like wasn't it deer or something? Oh man. And so that, that started people thinking that maybe it was a herd of deer that got sucked up in a tornado and so And
1: then only the lungs came out, to be
0: <laughs> According to the survey Wow. it makes you wonder though who was the person who actually tasted and said wow it tastes like deer
1: yeah <laughs> what about um you you think that a tornado is more likely than like a ufo spaceship dumping all their trash out on the city of rankin kentucky
0: that's something to think about isn't it
1: <laughs> i don't know i they, think some people I, I suppose think that.
0: they have to empty their sewage tanks apparently sometime <laughs>
1: And it's all just lungs and
0: yeah, and things have fallen off a plane, so that's possible. You just wouldn't get a large amount of it, I wouldn't think. Okay. And but yeah, people have had uh, jelly type stuff falling, so that's what hard about, to explain.
1: Like, isn't there a type of bird that can vomit up food that it's been eating? What about that?
0: Yeah, they, they said it was. Did they say seagulls or something or pelicans that were dumping? So, or another place said it was vultures burping up the meat, but well, I, I can't imagine just tons of meat falling from regurgitating vultures or something.
1: I mean, I guess that's true. Maybe like a frog. like The frog like, could have uh, come from that. Yeah. But not like a ton of meat.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. I, You know, to be fair, of all the things we've talked about, I really don't want to be showered with blood or meat or frogs.
0: <laughs> what about feels- Cracker Jacks?
1: Well, I mean, maybe the the kids' book is fun, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, but in real life, I'm not so sure.
0: Yeah. Cracker Jacks did rain down on a, I think it was in Ohio, wasn't it? On a stretch of highway. So how in <laughs> a the lot world, of them? Was that a tornado at a Cracker Jack plant or something?
1: That's weird, man. Yeah. We used to have,
0: when I was a kid, we used to have what looked like aluminum foil Easter basket grass. Do you know what I mean? It was just yeah. shredded, shredded pieces of foil, and that yeah. would be all over our property sometimes. And I, I remember seeing that. I was real small at the time, but I still remember it going on for several years. And I didn't, I didn't really understand it. I just thought it was part of the of nature around there until I got older, and then I started thinking, you know, that was weird. I have me- metallic excelsior laying all over your cow wow. pastures, and I had somebody say once, though, uh, a Vietnam vet who said that during that time, they would throw out stuff like that, that he said it sounded like that, to confuse the uh, radar systems. Oh, okay. And we did have a lot of low-flying jets, so I'm thinking maybe that was a secret test area, because we were in the middle of nowhere, so probably had some Air Force people just doing some covert testing over our place, never knowing that a little six-year-old boy would be finding pieces of it and wondering...
1: that seems like a logical explanation. The, the Cracker Jacks and, you know, the meat, that feels suspicious or I don't know. Yeah. Definitely exciting to know that there are still mysteries in this world. And there's still strange things in this world that we don't understand.
0: Or some pilot flying over saying, this will really mess people up. And he throws <laughs> out a bucket full of something. I, I think I would do that if I had a chance. Do you? <laughs> yeah. What do you think about spontaneous human combustion? We may as well get <gasps> totally crazy.
1: I mean, it sounds painful. <laughs> yeah,
0: 300 <laughs> documented cases by sheriffs and police, different wow. people.
1: 300.
0: So, wow. Yeah. And usually it's the middle of the body that's burned up and it leaves the feet and arms or hands or something. So, wow. It's weird. Yeah. Do you think
1: we- there's a, like a scientific explanation for that that works?
0: <laughs> a lot scientists usually deny that there's really a way to make that happen and a lot of times they'll say that what they're finding is maybe a murder where they tried to burn the body but the weird thing is it doesn't really burn the house around it Uh, like the one sitting in a chair or something it just kind of soots up the wall and you still find a burned torso with hands and legs that aren't burned and nothing else in the house so it is unusual if someone is playing a joke or something, it's a very well planned and consistent joke, I think.
1: Well, 300 cases is a lot.
0: And of course, you never know. No one's ever seen somebody burst into flames. So that's another thing. Shouldn't there be a, a time where, you know, there are two people together and a guy just blazes up? And so someone runs out and says, Yeah, I saw it happen. And that hasn't you- happened yet.
1: Yeah, you would think there would be some witness, but at the same time, 300, as much as it feels like a lot, is a small number when you think about the whole of the population. Mm-hmm. Do they know anything about their, like, physiology or m- medical conditions of these people? Like, is Interestingly
0: there a- enough, yeah, a lot of them, a-, a large proportion of them are obese, alcoholic, smoker, elderly people.
1: That's quite a <laughs> list to go together for Yeah, so some people are yeah. thinking
0: you're an obese person you're drunk you're sitting in your chair with your cigarette on your chest and it falls down and touches the fat on your stomach and it kind of melts the fat and draws it up as a liquid through your shirt and you basically become a a large candle oh (laughs) so you burn very slowly probably you're asphyxiated by your own body fumes and yeah but you know but humans are 70% water so it takes a lot of fire. If you cremate someone, uh, morticians will tell you it takes a lot of energy to get someone totally burned. And I can't imagine even even a murderer trying to burn someone with a torch would. I mean, that would take forever. So it's it's a mystery, It really is. Yeah. So are you thinking aliens?
1: No, I no, I hadn't even <laughs> thought. Do some people think that? It, of course they do. Do they yeah. think it's an alien? Why would an alien burn the middle of you?
0: I'm not sure. (laughs) Maybe you saw too much. It's the men in black.
1: You think it's the men in black coming?
0: Yeah, after you've seen the UFO.
1: That Well, that's terrible. I do not want to go that way.
0: (laughs) I kind of have a phobia of that, though. Do you ever feel hot inside and think that you might be about ready to burst into flame?
1: Well, so whenever I heard of this, I thought about, I associated it with, like, when you have a really intense muscle burn from, like, a really, really hard workout. And like all the lactic acid buildup and everything. And so I thought, oh, like, I don't know.
0: But that was was one extreme. Yeah. An extreme explanation was that all your body enzymes suddenly just make your body start burning at once. So I don't think so.
1: I mean, we're just so complicated and beautifully made for something like that to happen is like things have to go terribly wrong and our bodies are (laughs) wired for homeostasis. I mean, that feels yeah. very unlikely but that's what i always expect like thought of when i thought of spontaneous human combustion like a really really hard cycling class
0: <laughs> yeah could be, That'd
1: be a terrible in 300 people just going up in flames at the end of your cycling <laughs> class <laughs> we made it we made it mm-hmm.
0: oh. i have dreams like that
1: do you feel hot when you wake up like is it in a certain is it like your legs or do you
0: i think it's just in my head not the heat just the idea yeah i just just can't fathom the thought of just catching on fire
1: a lot of people have like horror scare dreams about being buried alive and you have it about spontaneous human combustion so
0: (laughs) yeah i'm a basket case
1: (laughs) i think we all are well, thank you so much for joining us as we kind of walked around a bunch of different topics that hopefully were interesting to you. And again, maybe not all paranormal, but some people interpret them as such. If you have any feather pillows that you'd like to donate to science, um, Dr. McWilliams will be taking them, so you can send them <laughs> our way. Or uh, stories.
0: We- we'll just take stories.
1: Okay, stories maybe. better. I was going to say, we could also go on a bog adventure if you'd like and light some things on fire. Um, we could do but- that. <laughs> if you would like to comment or ask questions please send us an email at paranormal at gmail.com you can also get more information at our website thinkingaboutthebible.com if you found this podcast useful or interesting please share it with others you can find us on most major podcast platforms also our YouTube format has a video component for each podcast with verses, charts, and outlines thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now